We're going to turn this morning to Acts chapter 11, as we said, Acts chapter 10 and 11. Um, and so I would love for you to have your Bible there. And, and I guess we recognize um, as we turn to God's word this morning, uh, we're very conscious that we don't we don't pick up our Bibles in a bubble, uh, unaffected by some of the, the tragedy and desperation that we see around our world, do we? That's always true. That's true in good times and in bad. God's word is always life giving and good. Um, but as we as we come to the passage today, I, I've been struck by the the timeliness and the truth of God's word once again in a, in a world that seems to be wrapped up in chaos at times. See that the past fortnight has brought to the fore issues that have potential to divide our society if that society isn't divided already. The issue of racial inequality and prejudice has once again raised its ugly head and, and forced us as individuals and as human beings sharing this world to, to ask some searching questions. Questions of the kind of things that divide us as human beings or, or maybe more positively what unites us as human beings. But as we look around our world, whether locally or globally, we realise we don't have to look too far before we notice some of the barriers that are erected to divide people from one another. So race is one, uh, religion another, the place of your birth, your gender, economic or, so, or, or uh, employment status, what social class you're deemed to fit into, your, your postcode, the education you receive, the, the reputation your family name carries, the political party you sway towards. These, these are all things that can divide us. They, they are barriers that could be built. Uh, and that's not an exhaustive list. The world is good at building barriers between people. And let's be honest enough to, to recognise that we often build these kind of barriers too. Now, I'm not saying we're all judgmental and condescending, but, but consciously or not, we understand these barriers. And sometimes these kinds of barriers, they, they affect our decisions and our attitudes more than we would want them to. But, but into this barrier-filled world, the gospel of Jesus Christ speaks loudly and profoundly. The good news of Jesus, indeed the, the message of the whole Bible, can demonstrate how God is a God who breaks barriers down. Specifically and most importantly, the barrier of, of sin between us and himself, he smashes it down through the power of the cross. And we'll spend more time thinking about that at the end of our time this morning as we reflect on communion. But you see, from the very beginning of God's word, we see the clear message that, that God creates the world, that he creates humanity to fill the world. And, and there we read in Genesis 1.26, God saying, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Every human being is made in the image of God, regardless of race or gender or ethnicity or ability or whether you're in the womb or have already been born. Human beings are made in the image of God, every single one. And right at the end of God's word, we see this barrier breaking God, bringing people to, to, to himself together. In Revelation 7, we read, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You see, the clear message from the scripture is that there is no barrier that can exist that can hinder God reaching into someone's life. There is no person who is not made in the image of God. 
There is no cultural or economic or social barrier that can exclude someone from responding to God's great message of salvation. God is a God who breaks barriers. And this morning, we're continuing in our our Church on the Move series, where we're exploring the, the great expansion of the Christian church from its beginning in Jerusalem into the neighboring areas of Judea and Samaria. And we're tracking its growth through the book of Acts, which lays it out for us in wonderful detail. And in this section of the book that we're focusing on in this series from chapters 8 to 12, especially, we're following the command. We see the the outworking of the command that Jesus himself promised his disciples. So in Acts 1, chapter 8, we see Jesus saying to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem which was tracked through chapters 1 to 7 in Acts, and in all Judea and Samaria, which is the section we're looking at from chapters 8 to 12, and to the ends of the earth, from chapters 13 to the end of the book in chapter 28. And so Jesus had given the blueprint for how his church was going to expand throughout the city, the region, and indeed the world. And Luke then records in this book the the outworking of that plan through his people. And so recently, We've looked at the account of Philip in chapter 8, who went from Jerusalem to Samaria. And then Michael helped us see the wonderful conversion of of Paul, who had been a persecutor of Jesus and now was one of Jesus' most ardent messengers. And in those two accounts, we already see example of barriers being broken down by the gospel. Philip preaching in Samaria was a huge deal, not to mention the fact that the Samaritans became believers. The good news of Jesus was spreading way beyond the confines of the Jerusalem church, even to those who rejected many of the Jewish cultural and religious practices. The message of Jesus broke down those barriers. And then with Saul's dramatic encounter with Jesus, which transformed his life and and which shaped much of the history of the church, we see that even the most hardened enemy of the gospel was not beyond the reach of its grace. And so Saul, who was on his way to round up followers of Jesus in Damascus and imprison them, would soon find himself imprisoned for his own passionate following of Jesus. See, the message of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, breaks down barriers. And today we're going to see the good news continue its spread north as Peter is sent to the seaside port called Caesarea. And that's the same place we know Philip ended his journey at the end of Acts chapter 8. And in Caesarea, Peter is going to meet a Roman soldier named Cornelius. He's going to meet a Roman soldier. Now, it had been the Roman soldiers who had crucified Jesus. It was the Roman soldiers who were keeping the Jewish people under oppression and control in their own land. The Roman soldiers were were a symbol of the freedom that the Jewish people had lost. Not to mention how the Jews viewed the the religious and ceremonial uncleanness of the Roman soldiers. Surely they were beyond the reach of the good news. But God is a God who breaks barriers. And so what does this gospel breaking barriers actually look like in this case? How does it work out in practice between Peter and Cornelius? And and for us, as we learn from and, and are shaped by God's word this morning, how is the church of Jesus Christ to continue to be on the move with his great message in a world that seems to be so full of, of conscious or unconscious barriers? Well, as always, there's much that we could see in these in these verses, in this chapter and a half of this book. 
Um, but this morning what we're going to do is focus on, on the account between Peter and Cornelius and how it shows us that God is breaking barriers in us, God is breaking barriers through us, and God is breaking barriers way beyond us. And so firstly then, let's consider how God is breaking down barriers that might exist in us. And we see this through the, the realisation that Peter comes to uh, as a result of, of God sending him a clear message and a vision in a trance. And so let's look at Peter's retelling of this to the group that challenged him in Jerusalem. And so we read this already earlier in our service, but Acts chapter 11, and we're going to read verses 4 down to verse 10. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything unclean or impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. And so Peter is retelling the encounter that we see recorded in slightly more detail in chapter 10, verses 9 through to 18. And the whole thing, the whole vision, the, the, the sheet with the animals, it, it all might sound a bit bizarre to us in our 21st century ears. But of course, we must remember that Peter was a Jewish man. And therefore he had adhered to strict Jewish food laws his whole life. And, and those laws meant that some animals were to be considered unclean and were therefore to be abstained from. And doing that, abstaining from those animals, was an act of obedience to God's law. And that's why we see such surprise then when Peter is told by the voice from heaven that he should get up, kill and eat these animals. It went against what Peter was expecting. And Peter clearly wasn't alone in that expectation. Remember, in chapter 11, he's being criticised for his actions in chapter 10 by a, by a bunch who are called the circumcised believers. And so, obviously, Peter was being viewed as some kind of rogue agent because of what he did on the back of this vision. He acted in a way that was contradictory to the way everyone expected things should go. But But rather than spending too much time in the detail about the food law, what we have to remember is that Peter was in a trance and seeing a vision, and that vision was a picture message that he was going to learn a deep lesson from. You see, later in chapter 10, Peter makes it to Cornelius' house, something a Jewish man should never have done. And we see that the vision now made sense to Peter. God was teaching him something through the vision that he was then going to show him in reality. So if you look in verse 28 of chapter 10, we see Peter saying, you are well aware that it is against the law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. But remember the words from the vision, do not call anything impure or that God has made clean. See, the vision had been about food, but the lesson was about people. And which people? had the right to be accepted by God, which people had the right to be declared clean by God. And, and the lesson Peter was learning was that it wasn't his place to make that call, despite any preconceptions he might have had. And not only that, 
but because the cleanness or purity of a person is in their standing before God, that is based on their, their response to the message of the gospel. And so Peter also had to realize that he didn't have the authority to determine who should hear the gospel and who shouldn't. If God was willing and able to make all people clean, then Peter did not have the right to decide who he could share the message with and who he couldn't. See, God was at work. And God determines whether someone is pure or clean, not us. And sometimes God is at work in those who we would least expect. So for Peter, the barrier in him needed to be broken down. And that barrier was of his own expectations of how God was going to work. To put it another way, without the vision and direction from God, Peter was in danger of missing out on witnessing God at work because of how he expected God should work. Peter was at danger of missing out on witnessing God at work because of how he expected God should work. And so through the vision that he received and then being invited to Cornelius' house, he realises that God's work is so much bigger than he could have imagined. And any barrier of expectation that he may have had in his mind was shattered by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'm sure you can see the lesson for us today. We might not need a vision relating to food that we can eat, but perhaps we all need a fresh realisation of any limit that we might have placed on God's work, of, of where we would expect him to work. And maybe this morning he wants to draw us back to a place of obedience where we rightly wait on him to do his work. And then we follow him where he leads us. It's his work. It's not ours. And let's consider the reality of this for today, because at first glance, we might think that we can't see the barriers that we might have in our own expectations of where we expect God to work. But for those of us who are following Jesus, we will all have people in our lives that, that we know and love deeply, but, but they don't know Jesus yet. And so we pray for them. We earnestly pray for them. It's one of the things I'm deeply grateful for our life group for, that almost every week uh, we pray for those in our families who don't know Jesus yet. And I find it such an encouragement because it's easy to be tempted to do what Peter did. And we start to put boundaries of expectation on the work of God. That it's possible that we start to think that it seems that certain people will never respond to the love of God. And, and so we, we are tempted to lose heart. We might lessen our resolve to pray for them. We might not take, make the most of the opportunities to share God's good news with them. Maybe we even think, well, well they know what, what I believe, so, and I don't want to badger them, so they can come to me with questions or discussions. But can you see how easy it is to fall into that pattern? But also, how we, how we in doing so, we're becoming a little bit like Peter. We're putting limits, we're erecting barriers on what we expect God to do. And maybe thinking more personally as well. Are there barriers in our hearts, places or people where we expect God not to move? I think this morning God will be wanting to break those barriers down so that we are open to being used by him to bring his good news to people who we think are beyond his reach. Even saying that sentence sounds crazy, doesn't it? People that we think are beyond his reach. When we say it out loud, we realise how ridiculous it is. And we know it's ridiculous because God has reached me. God has reached many of you. And if he can reach us, then how can we expect him not to reach anyone else? And so maybe we need to do some heart searching. 
And perhaps some of these questions might help. So do we expect God to move in our family and friends groups? Do we expect God to move in our community? In in the apparent affluent areas of leafy East Belfast, as well as the, the areas that appear to have a greater need, do we expect God to move? Do we expect God to move in the lives of those who hold a very different view of the world to us? Be that in politics or religion or sexuality or national identity or ethics or or anything else. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that we should agree with their position, but are we ever in danger of losing sight of the reality that no one is beyond the reach of God's grace? Now, I understand these are these are challenging questions. And wrestling with them, I recognise that there can there can also be a lot of pain, a lot of hurt that we might have experienced in the past from some people. And so we, we need to pray God's healing touch where it's needed. However, what we see from this example from Peter is that God had to break down barriers in him. Barriers of expectation of how he expected God would work. So that Peter could then enjoy the privilege of seeing God move in remarkable and and, and world-changing ways. God is a God who breaks barriers. And some of those barriers exist in us. Secondly, let's consider how God breaks down barriers through us. And we see this in how God uses Peter incredibly. God uses Peter to bring his saving work to Cornelius' household. And that's significant. Uh, we shouldn't skip over that too quickly. Peter is God's instrument. But God is orchestrating this whole encounter. And it is God who is bringing about this saving work. Uh, Peter, yes, is the obedient servant in the midst of it. But even he is working at God's direction. It's a wonderful example of God choosing to work and to do his work through his people. Last week, Paul Brennan Use two phrases uh, that we see repeated here in Acts, uh, in Acts chapter 10 and 11. Uh, Paul Brennan last week shared with us that the multiplying church knows Jesus powerfully at work. So the multiplying church works purposefully for Jesus. And we see this in Peter's example here, if you can substitute it in, that Peter knows Jesus powerfully at work. He's experienced that in his life. He's now knowing and seeing in front of him Jesus breaking down the barriers in Peter. Therefore, Peter works purposefully for Jesus. God's work and the obedience of his people are going together. God is at work by his spirit through his people. That's what we see here again. God is at work. It's, it, it's God who gave Cornelius the visit from an angel. It's God who gives Peter the vision. It's God who brings Peter to Cornelius's house. And it's God who prepared every heart in Cornelius's house to hear the good news. It's God's work and it's all incredible. And as God works, Peter is obediently following. Therefore, God breaks barriers through Peter as he invites Peter to join him in his mission. And that invitation extends to us today. As followers of him, God breaks down barriers in others, but he sometimes chooses to do that through us. What a joy, what a privilege. And so he invites us to join him on his mission. And what is that mission? Well, it's sharing the good news. And let's look at the example of that good news here that Peter shares. See, as we've seen, God was works to orchestrate this whole encounter between Peter and Cornelius. And and we're not going to go into all that preparation work. I would encourage you to look at it. 
But when Peter has the opportunity to be in Cornelius' house, as they sit around and ask for him to share the message God has given, then God equips Peter with the message to powerfully proclaim. And so I want to read that message with us. It's in chapter 10, and it's in verse 34 through to verse 43. So let's read that together. Then Peter began to speak. I now realise how true it is that God does not show favouritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on the cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. What what an incredible message that Peter shares with Cornelius' house. And it's such a clear outworking of the barrier in Peter that had been broken down. Because that barrier in him is gone, Peter was then able to say, I now realise that God does not show favouritism. The barrier that had been broken down in him meant that God was able to work to break down barriers in other people through him. God is able to work and move through Peter because of his work in Peter, but it's all God's work. And this summary message of the gospel that Peter gives is such good news. He speaks so clearly of Jesus, the, the one who is who is the good news of peace, the one who went around doing good and healing, the one who, who embodied the very presence of God, the, the one who was killed but was raised, the one who commissioned his disciples to spread the good news about him. And what is that good news? Well, the last line sums it up perfectly in verse 43, that all the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That is barriers broken. The sins that keep us eternally separated from God forgiven. It's a wonderful message which God shares with Cornelius' house through Peter. And then in verse 44, we see the response. Verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The Holy Spirit falls. As a result of the the repentant response to Peter's message, and we see that from the very last verse of chapter 11, 18, the the people hear the good news of Jesus and they respond. And in doing so, they're filled with the Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same Spirit who had fallen so powerfully on on Peter and the others in Acts 2 at the day of Pentecost, the same Spirit who, who lives in us who follow Jesus. The same spirit who we can see come in power on those who we boldly share the good news of Jesus with. That God draws to himself. This is the the joy and the grace that we can experience as, as God breaks barriers in others through us when we work with him in his mission. 
So, so when we witness him and work at the lives of others, because we have boldly and obediently followed his leading, then he demolishes barriers. He demolishes barriers in us, and then he uses us to demolish barriers through us in others. But it's God's work. God breaks the barriers. He breaks them in us, and then he breaks them as he works his spirit through us. It's nothing special that we bring to the table. But it's God's work in others that he invites us to join him in. So God breaks barriers in us. God breaks barriers through us. Finally and briefly, let's consider how God breaks barriers way beyond us. Just look at these verses in in verse 46 of chapter 10 and verse 17 of chapter 11. This is Peter speaking when he sees this response the Holy Spirit falling on the people in Cornelius's house. Surely no one can stand in their way of being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And then as he's recalling this story to those in Jerusalem, he says in verse 17 of chapter 11. So if God gave the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? You see the repeated phrase there, who could stand in the way, who could stand in God's way. And it's important for us to grasp this point as we come to a conclusion this morning, because what we have to keep in mind is that through this whole encounter, that Peter is witnessing God at work. You maybe feel like I'm hammering this point home, but I think it's important for us to realise that God has moved remarkably in Peter. He's moved remarkably through Peter, but ultimately God's work was way beyond Peter's understanding beyond Peter's ability. And in some ways this this brings the whole theme together because God is continually at work in in ways that we may never comprehend. And Peter is recognising now God's ways go way beyond what we might think or imagine. And that's why God is able to break barriers. He's able to break barriers because he sees things differently than we do. He sees people differently than we do. He sees situations differently than we do. And what I mean by differently is that he sees them more clearly than we do. And so he's able to work in ways that go way beyond our understanding. And so he can break barriers in us, knowing what he's equipping us for. He can break barriers through us because he's prepared the way for his gospel to go forth. And so we could look at at many examples in this text, but just considering uh, three for now, let me just quickly say that, that God's work uh, firstly, God's work in Cornelius's life before Cornelius knew ever anything about Peter shows how God has been working beyond us. God had been drawing Cornelius to himself long before the angel or Peter came to visit. God was breaking barriers way beyond Cornelius's awareness. Secondly, in, in the vision that God gives to Peter, it made no sense to Peter at the time. Don't miss verse 19 of chapter 10. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, Peter didn't understand the vision at the time, but God had planted it then so that he would be able to, so Peter would be willing to go to Cornelius's house, so that he would be willing to go further than his expectations would have taken him. God was breaking barriers way beyond Peter's understanding. And this whole, thirdly and finally, this whole encounter breaks barriers way beyond just Peter and the people in Cornelius's house. It has ramifications that stretch for thousands of miles and hundreds of years. You see, this was the launch pad for the gospel for those outside the Jewish culture and nation. This was the beginning of the spread of the gospel among the Gentiles. And, and we sit here today as Gentiles, yet as followers of Jesus, because God was breaking barriers way beyond the situation at play here in Cornelius' house. 
God is the God who, who breaks barriers way beyond us. And I pray that that's a great encouragement for us for many reasons. Um, but, but particularly this morning, for those who are feeling in a, in a season of waiting or confusion or uncertainty, it is, it is good for us to remember that God is still at work way beyond us. He could be breaking barriers that we can't see, but he is still at work. For example, we, we, we might be sure that, that we are where God would want us to be, if I can use that phrase. Um, but, but for us, it hasn't been made clear as to why we're here yet. So we know we should be here, but we're just not sure why. Maybe that was a, a job choice that you made or a relationship decision or maybe even joining us at Gilnahirk Baptist Church to call here your spiritual home. You know you're in the right place, but you're just not sure why. Or, or maybe it's in the midst of lockdown and we just can't figure out what's going on and what God might be doing in the middle of it all. But, but whatever the reason for uncertainty or confusion that we might find ourselves in, we can know that our God is not asleep at the wheel. He is breaking barriers. He is at work. Yes, he might be in a work, at work in a way that we cannot see yet and we certainly don't understand. But God is never without purpose. Even in his waiting, even in what appears to be silence, he is still at work. And we can trust him this morning like we've trusted him in the past. Because this story, as long as, as alongside the whole Bible, shows that God is always at work. But sometimes he's at work beyond our understanding, beyond our comprehension, beyond what we can see, beyond what we would expect. And so we can trust him that his ways are always good. His ways are always his. And therefore, that's what makes them good. And, and so as we as we draw to a conclusion this morning with this part of our service, I'd love us to worship our God who breaks barriers because of this. Because of his great love for his world and the people in it, he breaks down barriers in us. Barriers that we might have erected based on what we expect God to do or how we expect God to act. Maybe even barriers of our own preconceptions and, and judgments of people where we haven't viewed them as God does. May he break those barriers in us because we know that he can. And we've also seen this morning that he can break barriers through us. So that then he's breaking barriers in others. And primarily that is as carriers of his good news in a world that so desperately needs to hear of his love and forgiveness and, and, and respond to that call to repentance and holy living. God invites us to join his mission of sharing that message with those we meet. So that, so that we see the gift of watching him at work in the life of someone we know and love. And, and in all of these things, we can trust him, knowing that he is the God who breaks barriers way beyond us, beyond our understanding, beyond our time frame, beyond our ability. He is at work. He is not hibernating. He is at work. And so we can trust him even in those times that we don't understand what he's doing. And so as we marvel at God's work in our lives and in the lives of those around us. May we join with the words in, in verse 18 of chapter 11. That after Peter's critics had heard this report back from Peter, then they say when they had heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. And may we indeed see him at work. Leading the people around us to, or, or ourselves to repentance that leads to life. And therefore may we praise his name 
as we as Gentiles have received the good news of the message of Jesus Christ. God is a God who breaks barriers. So like Peter, let's say, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Let us be open to being used by him as he breaks barriers in us, as we see him breaking barriers through us, and as we trust that he is always breaking barriers way beyond us. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the joy of being together around your word, hearing your truth, being challenged, being encouraged, being rebuked maybe, Father. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word, which is always true. It is always good. It always is timely. It is always powerful. And God, in this moment, this historical moment where it seems like there are so many barriers in our world to to lots of things, barriers between people. Yet, God, we thank you that none of those barriers that we might erect, none of them can contain or curtail you moving in our world and so father whether that's that's barriers in us uh, barriers in relationships that 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 cause such tension that cause uh, such bitterness and maybe we're harboring some unforgiveness father those barriers that that, that we think that, that that someone may be beyond your reach god we repent of such things and Father, we thank you that, that we know that your love can reach anyone and anywhere because you've reached us. And so, Father, we, we, we repent of that kind of pride. And we ask, Father, for you to move powerfully in us. And in doing so, Father, then, may we be equipped to see you at work through us. Thank you, Father, that your work is not, is not dependent on us, but you invite us, Father. What a privilege, what a joy. And so, God, would we be your people who faithfully live out the obedient life where we see you at work and where we follow you to where you're leading us to be. And, Father, we do all of that in the recognition that your plans go way beyond us. Your plans go way beyond our understanding. And so, Father, for those of us who are in a season of waiting or uncertainty or or, or tension, or strain, or, or just confusion as to where you are and what you're doing, Father, would you would you come amongst us? Help us, Father, to to trust that you are still at work. We might not be able to see it. We might not be able to hear your voice. We might not be able to see responses uh, in our time that we would want to our prayers. But we thank you that you are always at work. And so we pray that you would help us to trust you. And as we as we trust you, as you break barriers in these way in these ways, may we continue to see your church on the move, your gospel extend, your kingdom come more in our midst and in our community. Father, we long to see your name lifted high in our city, in our families, in our neighbourhoods, with those we work with. So come, Father, and may indeed you receive receive the praise that is due your name. And it's in that wonderful name that we pray. Amen. Amen.